wind, breath, spirit. What do those words conjure up for you? Things of the air, things that can only be seen under certain conditions, things that can't be held in the hand but can be strongly felt. There are many ways of looking at this, but they're all connected with this eek, wind, breath, spirit, tricina. All things that in and of themselves are generally invisible, but their movement tells you that here we have life. This is Marguerite Paquin. Welcome you to episode 39 of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. As always, we're working here with the Maya Zolkin, a 260-day, continuously cycling count of days which consist of 20 13-day periods or tricinas, each of which has a particular set of characteristics oriented around a central idea. This time we're working with the tricina known as Eek, spelled I-K apostrophe, aligned with the first day of this time frame, which is wind, breath, and spirit. As always, the days that make up this Tristina are all identified in my Maya calendar horoscope blog at whitepuppress.ca. But in this podcast, we'll look a little further into the nature of some of the key features of this period. First, let's look at wind, the energy that carries and washes through this 13-day period. This is the energy associated with the deity known as Hecatl, the wind, breath, spirit form of the great feathered serpent that was often seen as a portal to the heavens. One of his most prominent symbols was a duck-billed mask representative of the wind that blows in all directions, which often means a heads up. There have been many times in the past when typhoons, even Category 5 super typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes, or major storm systems have been brought in on the very first day of this time period. With that day, one eek, representing the initiation of wind, breath, and spirit. At this time, we can see Hurricane Larry spinning away out in the Atlantic, and Newfoundlanders are bracing at this time for its potential impact, perhaps later this week, looks like it. On yesterday's one eek, Southern Ontario got hit with several tornadoes in farm areas, and the Weather Network published some photos of amazing shelf clouds that moved a huge storm through that region. 
That brought high winds, hail, lightning, and heavy rains, and also downed trees and power lines that left more than 27,000 people without power. So it's not unusual to see major wind-related events happening at this time, particularly at the beginning of the Tresina and also in the middle, on the day known as Seven Lamat, which will be Monday. That's a self-generating type of force that has brought in some major hurricanes in the past. Note that this comes in two days after what climatologists call the peak of the Atlantic hurricane season. So, fingers crossed that something else doesn't develop. While we don't know exactly what this Tresina will bring us this time, other than Hurricane Larry on the far east coast, what we can see are the effects of Hurricane Ida that hammered Louisiana and the Northeast during the water-oriented Tresina that just passed. Last time I spoke about some of the inverse connections between the energies in play at that time and those that brought in Hurricane Katrina in 2005. I mentioned that Hurricane Katrina hit on the 11th day of the Kauak Tresina, which represented 11 water or change related to water carried by storm. And what we just saw on the 11th day, which was the storm day of the Muluk or water Tresina, was all the damage caused by Hurricane Ida. That was 11 Kawak last Saturday, as assessments were being done of all the destruction across several states. Just today, CNN reported that it has been assessed that damage to power poles from Hurricane Ida across two states was greater than that caused by Hurricanes Katrina, Ike, Delta, and Zeta combined. Over 30,000 power poles, over 36,000 spans of wire, and almost 6,000 transformers in Louisiana and Mississippi were damaged in the storm. With the storm team of nearly 26,000 people now working to clean up the mess and return power to the hundreds of thousands in the south who have been sweltering in 100 degrees or higher heat. Kawak is not only related to storm but also to compassion, which goes out to all those who have lost everything and now have to rebuild and restructure their lives. What this did, of course, is bring to people's attention in dramatic fashion the urgency of getting on with the job of addressing the impact of climate change and the need to refurbish the infrastructure in the U.S., which is what 
President Biden is pushing for with his infrastructure bill. We'll be hearing much more about that as this Tresina plays through. The second major element at this time is breath. And here we are in a fourth wave of COVID, with the global number of registered cases topping 223 million. The numbers are reaching staggering levels, with the U.S. at over 40 million cases, with some 650,000 to over 660,000 deaths, depending on who's counting. Case numbers are again topping 100,000 or more per day there, not as high as they were one cycle ago last December when they reached as high as 234,000 new cases a day in the U.S. towards the end of this time frame, but definitely creeping up again. As in earlier waves, hospitals in the U.S. are struggling to keep up. As in Idaho, which enacted crisis standards of care guidelines yesterday, I think it was, because of severe shortages of staffing equipment and available beds due to the massive increase in COVID-19 patients. And I just heard today that this is something happening all over the U.S. Just yesterday, the United Kingdom passed Russia in case numbers and is now listed as fourth highest in the world. Just crazy. Even though they have a high vaccination rate, they have been registering well over 35,000 new cases a day for quite some time. And yet in many parts of the UK, people are treating the situation as if life is returning to normal. Mask wearing appears to be random and large crowds cramming together are giving the appearance that the pandemic is behind them. I don't know, something is not adding up here. Southeast Asia is also showing major surges, such as in Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand. They have all been registering high numbers on a daily basis. And Japan, holding the Olympics there certainly didn't help in terms of the coronavirus. Also very worrisome is the fact that children are now being affected in ways that didn't seem to show up earlier. But a new study released in the U.S. yesterday revealed that children now make up one in five COVID cases and hospitalizations of children and teens increased fivefold over the summer. And in many countries, including the UK, including, yes, the UK, vaccines have still not been approved for some age groups. Even in the UK, where all of that is happening, all of that freedom, there has still not been vaccine approval for 12 to 15 year olds. 
Again, things are just not adding up. So this issue of breath is still very much a topic of importance as we go through this breath-related time period. Also related to this is communication, of course. How many people still have not gotten the message about the importance of vaccinations? How many are spreading false information? Something that has become a major, major issue. How many are doing this purposefully to sell or promote fear? And how many are simply in denial? As I said, one of the most prominent symbols associated with Ehekal is a duck-billed mask that represents the wind that blows in all directions. The last time I posted a podcast about this Tresina, I spoke about the serpentine energy associated with these concepts. That serpentine energy so connected with movement and life. I spoke then about the rod of Asclepius, the serpent-entwined staff wielded by the Greek god Asclepius, a deity associated with healing and medicinal arts. The staff used as a symbol for many health-oriented organizations. The serpent's ability to shed its skin and renew itself is a key concept here, in addition to its ancient connection with alchemy. So again, with this Tresina coming into play, we are dealing with forces deeply aligned with many of the ideas associated with healing, communication, alchemy, life and death, and even negotiation. This will be a key to the advancement of such things as the bipartisan infrastructure bill that is so greatly needed in the U.S., particularly with all the rebuilding that will need to be done after the destruction from Hurricane Ida and the need to upgrade the infrastructure so it can better withstand climate change events. With the deadline for voting on this bill coming up very soon, before the end of September, concerted attention will be given to this at this time. It might be helpful for everyone to send positive thoughts to anyone who might be trying to block this to clear the path for this to get through. Similarly, there is a crucial need to vote on and pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act to address the attacks on voting rights in the U.S. and to do something about the dreadful laws being passed in Texas against abortion rights. Which brings us to the third element, which is spirit. This Tresina does have a tendency 
to be aligned with important energy pushes as people rally behind particular causes. So we're likely to see a lot of activism at this time and political maneuvering, both in Canada with the federal election coming up and in the U.S. as people address these critical issues. Let's have a look at some other specific days. As I record this, it is the evening of two Akbal, a balancing but also dynamic type of energy associated with the idea of temple or house of deep esoteric mysteries. On this day, we have learned that the trial associated with the 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris is now getting started and will include testimony from nearly 1,800 witnesses and victims of the attacks. More than 300 lawyers are involved and hundreds of volumes of documents. They're expecting thousands of spectators and due to the scope of the trial, a special courtroom had to be built to include special high-security witness boxes. This trial is expected to last nine months to late May of next year, about the time when this Trisina will be back in place. So we'll see how this goes and what kinds of echoes might return nine months from now related to this. One of the key days during this period is for Chikchan, coming up on Friday, September the 10th. This can translate as the defining of life force, and it was traditionally seen as a burner day, along the lines of accepting something and running with it in conjunction with the great feathered serpent's connection with liberation and higher consciousness. Two cycles ago, in April of 2020, when this came into place, Wuhan in China was emerging from lockdown after being in quarantine, really sealed off from the outside world, for 76 days. After officials were confident that the coronavirus outbreak had effectively been quelched with near zero new infections, people were finally allowed to leave their homes and trains and flights resumed service. It seemed to have had lasting effect because even a year later, life seemed to have returned to a workable level of normal in that city, as Wuhan had not recorded a new locally transmitted case in several months. Even so, strict public health measures remained in place as a precaution. And although things are still holding up quite well there, they are remaining vigilant as outbreaks have occasionally started to creep in again. So now they're doing mass testing programs and enforcing 
quick lockdowns whenever cases crop up. Overall, a vastly different approach than in the West. Also vastly different from what people in the West might be used to is the colorful Ganesh Chaturthi festival that begins in India at this time, on this fourth day. This is a popular Hindu festival in honor of Lord Ganesha, the remover of obstacles, giver of good fortune, patron of the arts, letters, and knowledge, and lord of new beginnings that spans most of this Trisina at this time. This four Chikchan, defining of life force day, celebrates the birth of Lord Ganesha, and the last day, last day of this time frame, marks the day when he is immersed in water to become formless again. Kind of a nice overlap between India and the Mayan calendar at this time. This is one of the most important festivals in Hinduism, and Lord Ganesh is one of the most unusual deities. His image is loaded with symbolism. His large elephant's head and big ears reference the importance of mindfulness and the idea of thinking big and listening carefully. His trunk represents efficiency and adaptability. If it turns towards the left, it signifies blessings of wealth, success, and pleasure. If it turns towards the right, it represents moksha-related benefits, understanding that all pleasures on earth are momentary. His cracked tusk held in his right hand is seen as a writing tool, as well as a symbol of sacrifice and strength, illustrating the importance of finishing what we start. He also holds goads, symbolic of how one should steer the soul away from the ignorance and illusions of this earth just as a man would steer an elephant away from a treacherous path. A bowl full of sweets exemplifies Ganesh's love of sweets, but also that which he loves most, moksha or liberation, one of the sweetest of all things. The axe he holds is a tool used to destroy ignorance in the world. The noose or rope illustrates the idea of drawing loved ones close, but also helping to encircle and save those who may have strayed. These are all symbols that have many interpretations, but overall bestow life lessons to help calm the mind and soul and help people with their evolution. Sometimes serpents of wisdom are also included in these images. Ganesh is the great remover of obstacles, giver of good fortune and success,
the god of education, knowledge, wisdom, and wealth, the great patron of the arts. Note that he also sits on, or is accompanied by, a small rat, representative of Ganesha's ability to destroy every obstacle, but also providing a reminder that even small things can bring disaster if we are not careful. It represents the importance of being able to subdue hidden desires or impediments that might get in the way of success. Ganesh is seen as a master at being able to overcome even the smallest thing that might try to eat away at goodness and prosperity. Overall, it's a complex set of ideas, but very instructive and the focus of huge celebrations in India throughout this time frame. Saturday brings us to the Maya day known as Five Kimi. This is a targeting type of energy associated with death or absolute foundations very bare bones, very sparse. And this is the day when the U.S. will be commemorating the 20th anniversary of the attack on the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, the infamous 9-11 event. On that day, memorial events associated with this will be held across the U.S., which will be very much in keeping with the nature of that day's energy. The ninth day of this Dracaena, Nine Oak, which is very much tied in with Chantico, the patron deity of this time frame overall, is also a celebratory day. Chantico is the goddess of terrestrial fire, associated with the warmth and nourishment of the hearth fire, protector of the home fires, protector of not only homes but health and livelihoods. She's also associated with high magic, earthly treasures and domesticity, and provides the reminder that this would be an opportune time to turn towards things that can inspire and uplift, and to look for moments of high magic. Certainly, there will be magic in Central America at this time, as five countries celebrate the 200th anniversary of officially declaring their independence from Spain in 1821. This is also Hispanic Heritage Day and the start of National Hispanic Heritage Month and the eve of Mexico's Independence Day. This is when Mexico's president traditionally reenacts some version of El Grito de Dolores, the cry of Dolores, in a 
Viva México! Viva la independencia! Vivan los heroes! Ceremony broadcast throughout the country in remembrance of the call to arms that triggered the Mexican War of Independence. The following day, which is Ten Shuen, or Foundational Play, it's a creative time-weaving type of force, that will be Mexico's 211th Independence Day. But it looks like the big parade that usually happens at that time is cancelled again due to COVID. So celebrations will have to remain close to home. Chantico should be able to help with that. The Maya calendar day 11 Eb, which comes in the day after on September 17th, is aligned with inspirational, animating vitality associated with change and new possibilities. This not only coincides with the UN's International World Patient Safety Day, which seems critically important at this time, but it also marks two calendar rounds, that's two times 52 years, to bring us to the exact same energy that was in place on Maya Day 11 Eb, 10 Shen, in October of 1917, when, reportedly, the Virgin Mary made her sixth and final appearance to three children at Fatima. This appearance, which apparently took place in front of 70,000 people, supposedly included the miracle of the sun, during which many people saw the sun go through an unusual zigzag movement, at which time many were cured of afflictions. I don't know, it's one of those things that much has been written about but can't really be explained. But the energy itself is highly healing-oriented, so that may have something to do with it. Anyway, this energy, both the day and month, is back on September 17th. So, we'll see if it can muster up a few more miracles, since we could all use some of those these days. World Cleanup Day comes in the day after, which will be on Maya Day 12 Ben, a grouping together type of energy associated with personal authority. It would be great to see some kind of sweeping away of all the negativity that has been spewing out over the past few years. Perhaps World Cleanup Day can help us with that. But it seems that a, certainly a monumental amount of positive energy will be needed for that to happen. Maybe Ganesh can help while he's still here. The following day, the last day of this Tresina, aligned with transformational earth magic, is when that grand deity is due to return to the formless on one of the biggest and most spectacular days of the entire Ganesh festival.
Okay, I want to finish up here by looking at some ideas put forward by one of my favorite writers, Joseph Campbell, who was born on two Ball, that balancing second day that I spoke of earlier. He's a good example not only of that idea of dynamic balance, but also of the influence of Akbal's association with the idea of the temple or house of deep esoteric mysteries. Joseph was deeply involved with the study of comparative mythologies and comparative religions, and with mythology being so tied in with ancient cultures, the only way to unlock meanings in that regard is to dive into this area. Joseph was a master at that. Although he departed from this realm in 1987, he still has much to tell us. From his Myths to Live By books, one of my favorites, he says, quote, To become, in Jung's terms, individuated, to live as a released individual, one has to know how and when to put on and to put off the masks of one's various life roles. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, and when at home, do not keep on the mask of the role you play in the Senate chamber. But this finally is not easy, since some of the masks cut deep. They include judgment and moral values. They include one's pride, ambition, and achievement. They include one's infatuations. It is a common thing to be overly impressed by and attached to masks, either some mask of one's own or the mana masks of others. Unquote. Joseph would likely have a lot to say about the issue of people balking at the wearing of masks in the middle of a pandemic, but luckily for him, he didn't get to see this. Joseph also tells us that, quote, the first step to the knowledge of the wonder and mystery of life is the recognition of the monstrous nature of the earthly human realm, as well as its glory. The realization that this is just how it is, and that it cannot and will not be changed. Those who think they know how the universe could have been had they created it without pain, without sorrow, without time, without death, are unfit for illumination." Unquote. One of the big things that Joseph Campbell is known for is his discussion about the hero's journey. 
He even inspired George Lucas in this regard. In Lucas's creation of Star Wars, let me just share a bit of what Joseph said in that regard about the hero's journey. The hero's journey always begins with a call. One way or another, a guide must come to say, Look, you're in sleepy land. Wake. Come on a trip. There is a whole aspect of your consciousness, your being, that's not been touched. So you're at home here? Well, there's not enough of you there. And so it starts. He says, quote, The call is to leave a certain social situation. Move into your own loneliness and find the jewel, the center that's impossible to find when you're socially engaged. You're thrown off-center, and when you feel off-center, it's time to go. This is the departure when the hero feels something has been lost and goes to find it. You are to cross the threshold into new life. It's a dangerous adventure because you are moving out of the sphere of the knowledge of you and your community. The first step, detachment or withdrawal, consists in a radical transfer of emphasis from the external to the internal world, macro to microcosm, a retreat from the desperations of the wasteland to the peace of the everlasting realm that is within. But this realm, as we know from psychoanalysis, is precisely the infantile unconscious. It is the realm that we enter in sleep. We carry it within ourselves forever. All the ogres and secret helpers of our nursery are there, all the magic of childhood. And more important, all the life potentialities that we never managed to bring to adult realization. Those other portions of ourself are there. For such golden seeds do not die. When one thinks of some reason for not going or has fear and remains in society because it's safe, the results are radically different from what happens when one follows the call. If you refuse to go, then you are someone else's servant. When this refusal of the call happens, there is a kind of drying up, a sense of life lost. Everything in you knows that a required adventure has been refused. Anxieties build up. 
what you have refused to experience in a positive way, you will experience in a negative way. Unquote. Joseph goes through in his writings many different stages of the hero's journey, beginning with that call. And parts of the journey include both the initiation as you get started, something that he calls the descent, the separation, um, and various stages and, and challenges that come up as the hero goes through the journey. We've seen a lot of this even in Star Wars. Um, at the end, the the hero eventually returns with jewels that he or she is to share with the world. I'm putting a link in the podcast post that you can click into to read more about these stages. But these days I can't help but see that there are a heck of a lot of heroes out there in the world today. People doing dangerous and heroic things. Millions are also in the process of transition, either by circumstance or of their own volition. Change is the order of the day. Many hardly know where to begin or what tools might be available to help. While the Maya calendar is not a solution, it does provide a kind of map for how to get through the days and also for getting to know more deeply what it is that you and others may be working with energetically. For anyone who might want some help in getting a grasp on this kind of thing, feel free to contact me and we can work out a personal approach to this. It could be simple or complex, depending on your needs or interests. Feel free, if you wish, to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in my websites, whitepoppress.ca and mayacalendararts.com, as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. One more observation from Joseph Campbell. We're in a free fall into future. We don't know where we're going. Things are changing so fast. And always, when you're going through a long tunnel, anxiety comes along. And all you have to do to transform your hell into a paradise is to turn your fall into a voluntary act. It's a very interesting shift of perspective, and that's all it is. Joyful participation in the sorrows, and everything changes. As he puts it most famously, when the world seems to be falling apart, the rule is to hang onto your bliss. It's that life that survives. Breathe deeply. Feel your own spirit. Find your bliss. If we can do that, even momentarily 
on a daily basis. It may help us to get through all this. This is the Wind Breath Spirit Tracina, and there are uplifting events and energies running through it. Hopefully, that will help. Until next time, be well, keep safe, love to all.